0: Hey listeners, thank you for listening to my first podcast episode. It took me a while to actually record and release the Hustle and Joe podcast, mostly because I was fearful of talking onto a podcast, starting it, and trying to find people that would be willing to be on set with me. And I just overcame that and said, screw it, I'm going to release it, see how it goes, and hopefully it'll be good. So first episode we have Ryan Martinez who is the co-founder of the Siouxland Coffee Festival here in Sioux City which is happening on November 2nd I believe and then he's also the co-founder of Volunteer Siouxland and this episode we talk about finding your identity taking risks the influence of social media in society and the importance of bringing the community together. I hope you enjoy listening and at least find one thing that you relate or resonate with with the talks that I have with my guests so here's my first episode this is the hustle and joe podcast Welcome to the Hustlin' Joe podcast. My name is Devin. Here today I have Ryan Martinez, who I knew uh, when I first, like I met him when I um, shot his wedding. So like that was super interesting. I met him. I was like, this guy is super cool. He's super <laughs> genuine, you know, down to earth guy. And, you know, the path leading up to, you know, working together and and stuff like that. It's been awesome to, to get to know him. So Ryan, I guess... Uh, I guess introduce yourself and, like, I guess, like, what what you do and um, why you do it.
1: Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for those kind words. That was super nice of you. I guess if you're going to meet me on any day, first impressions on a wedding day, I'm probably in the best mood Yeah, my you'd, be, life, right? yeah
0: you'd be, like, just all, like, full of joy and excitement. It's yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. But
1: a little bit about what I do, I guess. Uh, a couple of years ago, myself and a co-founder started uh, Volunteer Suland What that is is a online volunteer center for our community we live in, Siouxland. Um, and that serves more than just Sioux City; it serves the surrounding cities as well. We, uh, we help out about 140 nonprofits connect to volunteers. Um, we really try to get people connected to things they're passionate about instead of just picking up the phone and yeah. settling your volunteer hours. You know, if you have mandated hours from your school or your, you know, you had to hit a certain milestone for work, you know, we try to make it a very meaningful process where you can find something you actually enjoy um, outside of that. You can probably see on the on the shirt. I got the Siouxland Coffee Festival logo, um, and that's actually one thing that we started up to raise money for Volunteer Siouxland. We started the Siouxland Coffee Festival last year, a very successful event. Sell, so, uh, you know, we did everything coffee related at that thing. We had a little bit over of a eleven hundred attendees, so it was a good turnout for the first year event. We're looking at building on that, and that's actually coming up on November second. So we're. Uh,
0: yeah, this will be the second one. Yeah, second, second annual. annual. So
1: last year was an inaugural year, and. Wow. Event planning gets, uh, gets kind of crazy with that. And, you know, we were just super happy from the feedback we got from the attendees last year. Mm-hmm. So we're just listening to the attendees, um, implementing some, some things that they wanted, you know, making sure that the things that they liked kind of stay the same, maybe have a little bit of a tweak to them just to kind of yeah. enhance the experience. But yeah, a lot of work goes into event planning.
0: Yeah. So let's take it back to like, when you were either in high school or college, like did you always like see yourself as like an entrepreneur do you see yourself going to nonprofit? Like, how did you get to where you are today? And what was your, like, process between that and that whole whole thing? That's a long journey. Um, it is a long journey, but the, I guess get the, the meat part. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know? So I'll, I'll reflect back to one of my first experiences that I can remember being, quote, unquote, entrepreneurial. I remember when I was super young, just a kid, I, uh, I had a notebook and I, I wrote a menu, and, I, and I, I posted up a menu inside of my own house for my parents. I'm an only child, so just my parents and myself were living there. Um, and I posted that up, and I made a restaurant inside of our house and nice. basically was charging my parents money to eat their own food in their fridge. Nice. <laughs> and so it was just, like, simple things like, you know, peanut butter and jelly, yeah. maybe some, you know, ramen noodles, maybe some crazy spin. But, you know, just right from a very beginning age, doing stuff like that. Um, I was always super into, like, rummage sales. Okay. Um, yeah, just all things like that. And so I guess it's always been a part of me. I didn't really know what it was going to look like. I knew in high school when, you know, you're doing your career planning, you know, you pick out what school you want to go to, what do you want to do the rest of your life? And that's – all that's very overwhelming for a high school kid who's mm-hmm. just trying to have fun with friends and learn about life. So kind of knew that I wanted to be my own boss and create something, um, but I just didn't know what that was going to look like. So that led me into – venturing out to Morningside. So from Hayward in Iowa, so Northwest Iowa, um, went to college at Morningside. It's about 50 miles away, you know, kind of close to home. So I was still able to be around my family. And from there, I, you know, I was going into the design, marketing kind of side of it. And, you know, met a lot of cool people at Morningside to kind of help mm-hmm. me push my journey. And I'm sure you can, you probably have the same experiences, but you kind of meet a couple people along the way and they kind of change your course. Like, so when you say, you know, how, what was your journey? No, I thought it was this straight line, but mm-hmm. it ended up being, well, you hit a fork in the road and you got to kind of decide like, where, where are you going to go with this and what can you do with it? Yeah. But
0: yeah, so my journey is kind of all over the place. Yeah. I think it's interesting how like the people that you meet, they kind of pick your brain a little bit, you know, they like, you have that question of like, what I want to do now that I have what I love to do or my passion, whatever it is. And these people that you meet along the way, whether that's mentors, friends, you know, they'll pick your brain and kind of guide you to, like, the direction that you want to go. It's more or less, like, are you doing it? Are you executing what you actually believe that you want to do? So, I guess, yeah, for me, you know, graduated 2015 from Sergeant Bluff, and I basically was, I guess, known for wrestling, and, you know, I was experienced in that. Went to Morningside for wrestling. Didn't really have a Big idea or like a specific idea, of what I wanted to study. I was like, oh, business. Business might be easy route to go to, right? So, did that business. Um, studied advertising, graphic design, kind of similar to you.
1: Quick, quick life hack: If you go to school for business, you have to write papers. You choose yeah. design or marketing, you get out of that. Yeah, you, you get, just get out projects. Of that. You <laughs> get
0: projects. You get time to work on it, and I think that was like what I enjoyed the most was the design. And photography classes, I think that's why I do it now. Like I like to craft things and make quality things and have time to, to build that. And um yeah, it was super interesting. And then going on to junior year, I you know, I still had wrestling, was doing like all right, and you know, I was performing well at a collegiate level. Um, but it kinda hit me, it was like, Oh, I'm almost done with college. I came here to wrestle and for school, which is a good thing, you know. Um, people are really. I could be. You know, people are really passionate about wrestling and sports. I was thinking one day, like, oh, I'm gonna graduate, and then what else do I have? And it's like I have this identity of wrestler, wrestler, like Devin. Oh yeah, he wrestles for Morningside. And it's like once I graduate, it's not gonna be Devin who wrestled for Morningside. It's who are you gonna be now, and who are your, who are? Your, what's your direction to who you want to be in the future? So, like, that was the question, like, I asked myself was, all right, now how do I figure out what I love to do and how do I pursue that in a career? And it all started with an internship I had with Chatterkick, a social media agency in town. Um, that's where I didn't even know how to do videos. I didn't know how to do photos. Didn't pick up a camera yet. I just knew graphic design, which is not right thing. I knew how, how it worked. And I, I, like, I learned, I shadowed people. That's where I met Taylor for the first time at Chatterkick. And he was kind of, like, my mentor along the way to um, just, like, seeing what he did. He was, like, creating videos for social social media. You know, he had, he was experiencing cameras. He's got a background in film. Um, and I was just kind of watching him. I took every opportunity with him. He's like, hey, do you want to tag along to this photo shoot, this video shoot? And I was like, yes, yes, because, like, I got super interested and what he was doing, that it kind of inspired me to pursue that myself. Yeah, made you a yes man. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, I never, like, I think I always was, like, a yes man. I kind of, if you know me, I'm, like, a quiet person, but I, like, I put my head down and I work. I don't really say much, but, um, yeah, so. You're after, busy executing. You're busy yeah, getting stuff yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, so after that, um, when I was just, uh, you know, shadowing Taylor, picked up camera I think that summer and I was just teaching myself trial and error shooting photos videos for anything I could do whether that's like an event that I had going on or traveling I was just trying to like make whatever and whatever I put out was like this is it this is it this is me right and I just grew along the way and um so I started that like two years ago so I picked up a camera two years ago and And it kind of, like, guided the path of, you know, being self-taught and, you know, pursuing that now as a career. So that was a super interesting journey for me, Um, you know, picking out what I was passionate about and creating a new identity for myself.
1: Yeah, I think I can kind of relate in that aspect of it, of, of the execution process in which I... Which I kind of you know made a comment about, but I think that's what separates a lot of people from people who do and people who talk. Not that there's a bad thing about talking and generating ideas, but there's a level of skill that comes through that's a, that's adopted through just executing, learning through failures. Like people, a lot of people are afraid to do something and be bad at it, which yeah. I think what that's different between people like mm-hmm. you and me. We're we're not afraid to put our name on it if it's if it's. Something that we created that we we had fun doing, you know, we put it out there, we, we get feedback. And yeah. from that feedback, we learn. And
0: from yeah. when we learn, we get better, which yeah. is, you know, always yeah. a, a positive curve. I saw this video that Will Smith made, like, on social media. is was like, um, like, fail often and fail forward. And, like, ever since I watched that video, I just, like, have that in my mind. Like, no matter how much you fail, that's just an extra step of progression into you know, who you are and who you want to be. So, like... I'm pretty sure he was
1: a rapper at first, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah, right. So So there's a perfect example.
0: and Will Smith's like, one of my favorite actors and just people. So I I always follow him, and he's always got some... He's either always full of energy or got some wisdom to say. contagious. Yeah. So, you know, you go um, to college, and you get out, you graduate, and you start a nonprofit. So I guess go more into like why nonprofit and, and like, I guess feel volunteers to land and the coffee festival. Yeah, I
1: guess to explain all that, I'll have to rewind it a little bit. So right out of college, I guess I didn't do the whole nonprofit thing. So okay. in college I met, which fast forward to when I met you, um, I met my best man who, or the future best man at my wedding, Sean Richardson. Um, and he really pushed me into the entrepreneurial side of things And through working with him in college on high caliber projects, like building actual apps that were being used by real people in the real world, um, right out of college, him and I were working on a software company that we built mobile apps for people. We built websites, we did marketing, we did content, we we did all the above. And it was, it was a fun journey. And it was really full of things that we learned and we've implemented into our careers today. But as all entrepreneurial ventures go, if, the client's not paying, the bills aren't coming in. So not so they're not paying, but let's just say if a deadline's, they say, Hey, invoice is August 31st. They don't pay till, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a month later, or even, even 10 days later can make the difference of, you know, putting food on the plate. So, you know, right out of college, taking that deep dive of a risk of employing, employing ourselves and, um, paying ourselves, you know, I had to have, have some sort of steady income to like pay the bills so I can keep doing what I love to do. So, during that time, I took a part-time job at a nonprofit, and yeah. I said, "Hey, you know, I don't want to be doing this uh, to a high caliber. I want to be doing this, you know, on a small basis. You know, I mm-hmm. I have the skill set what you need. I can get what you need done. Um, I can communicate your cause to the public. But you know, I got something else that I'm focusing on. Mm-hmm. And o- over a few months, that conversation started to shift. They they were happy with the, re- the results I was producing. They wanted to. Um, bring me on board full time. So, you know, the conversation continued to progress and they brought me on as a director for for uh, for that company. So I, I did that for about, I want to say a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me. It might've been two years, might've been a year. But so I got experience on what it was like to run that marketing team, what it was like to do all that stuff. And that, and that was great. And, you know, through that process is when I met my current partner, uh, Kevin Engelcardi. So he's my okay. co-founder of Volunteer Suland. Land. Um, so the actual, actually the, the whole, the whole experience was this, this nonprofit didn't, didn't want to continue working on, on, on a project they were working on. And I was kind of spearheading. Okay. Um, and it, and it was, it was centered around volunteers. Yep. So, and I, and I said, Hey, look like this thing that, that you guys don't want to continue doing do anymore. Cause obviously with nonprofit funding, funding gets tight. So like if things get cut, things that don't directly impact um, the community, you know, Usually get dropped off, or not that they're not doing great things, but it's yeah. it's um, whatever's needed most comes first, especially when it comes to budgetary yeah. things, non nonprofit. So this is one thing that didn't make the cut, even though it was having a great impact. You know, I approached them and I said, "Hey, I would love to see this thing keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, what would it take for me to take this off your hands and me pursue this?" Yeah. So we we took that, we ran with it, we grew it into what it is today, Volunteer Land, mm-hmm. which is.
0: So you rebranded it then? Yeah, so it
1: was actually, it was called something different. It was actually a completely different platform. So, you know, you you hear a lot of companies talk about pivoting and, you know, starting with one thing and then doing another. So I took what uh, the nonprofit was doing with this volunteer platform. I implemented software as a service from a third-party company who was already uh, doing this in other communities. So a lot of other United Ways are using this software. But what I did is I took it and I white-labeled it. So what that means is I have this entire platform that's built for this exact cause that we are pursuing, but now it has the look and feel of our own community. So when okay. people come to volunteersooland.org, they, they see the Siouxland organizations. They're not seeing these the other random ones, exactly. Not from across not the country, with. right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's and one thing that's really nice about it is it t- also ties into the the volunteer resources for Iowa. So we're actually okay. partnered with Volunteer Iowa. So anything that gets posted on our site as a volunteer need gets posted to the entire state of Iowa. So that that's been a really cool process, but You know, like I said, throughout that, I would have never guessed I would have ended up in nonprofit or, you know, Mm -hmm. so I went from software company to some part time Mm -hmm. work to taking another deep dive off the cliff and saying, hey, let's take a risk. Let's try to start this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, We started to run with this thing. And, you know, like I said, two years later, here we are and we got 140 nonprofits we're serving. I think we just broke 2000 volunteers. I mean, we're we're really tearing this thing up
0: yeah that's really awesome, and you know I guess talk about um i guess the the community wise like how how are you able to bring the community together and the passionate people to actually want to be a part of volunteer suux you know i'm I'm guessing like um maybe that culture of volunteers mm-hmm. in Sioux city like needed to grow stronger i guess go through the the process of like how how did you get people to come together for this cause?
1: Yeah, I would say that's really the backbone of what we do r- right now. Um, changing the culture of volunteer volunteerism in the community. Not saying that we have a bad culture here, but I just think it needs to shift. I think it's a little outdated. Right, you don't pick up the phone anymore and call a place and say, "Hey, I need a volunteer." 20 hours by Friday and it's Tuesday. Like, that's just, you're not going to find meaningful experiences like that. People aren't going to stay at your organization and want to volunteer more if you're not connecting them to something that they like. So, I mean, if you were to go and volunteer, let's say, at an after-school program, um, you know, you might have a good time. You might enjoy your your one to two hours you go there. But let's say a company needed help with something on their social media, something that you're really good at, something that your time is very valuable and -hmm. that they can – have a higher benefit from you know you might have a, a better time explaining to them what's it mean to schedule a post what's it mean mm. to get people to hit that like or share button um, and that's where it really comes in where you can build in that what that one experience for you might turn into a, a reoccurring thing where you say hey hey devin or they might reach out to you hey devin can you come in once a month and just mm. kind of look over what we've been doing give us feedback yeah and it, it might just be a good hit and that's what we're yeah. really trying to do is just connect people to things that they're passionate about. And it doesn't even have to be something that like I used your career for an example. It could be something else. It could be wrestling, Like maybe yeah. they're like the wrestling Academy here in Siouxland yeah um, is looking for some volunteers yeah. and you might get involved every once in a while just because now you're doing video and you you've, you've stepped away from that wrestling, but yeah. that wrestling is still a part yeah. of you. So that's a, that would actually be a better example of you going out and volunteering for something, wrestling, something that means something to you.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. That's awesome that, it, now that you're connecting people to these places and, you know, they're, you know, is it like successful, you would say, like the people that are actually reaching out to you guys and wanting to find these, you know, places that they want to volunteer at?
1: Yes, it is. I would say in my personal opinion, it's successful. However, just with that, it's very hard to provide data. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we're a new platform. We're trying to educate people. That we are a new resource that they can use for free. So it is free for the volunteer, free for the organization. So we have to educate them on where to go, that it's free. We have mm-hmm. to educate them um, that you can track your hours through this. So you can actually, so let's say you've volunteered for the past three years. Well, if you've been using Volunteer Siouxland, we can track all of your volunteer hours, where you volunteered, what type of work you did, and you can actually export that in a report to just kind of say this is me, this is how I've contributed to the community. And, you know, we have a lot of organizations that are taking advantage of that, like service organizations that go out and do community, community offerings. Um, even workplaces are starting to require volunteer hours at work, and uh, employers are letting workers go out and um, volunteer to be a part of the community and represent the organization. Yeah. So that's, it's creating a really cool conversation, um, and it's, it's touching more people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if we get um, one of the local banks to participate and uh, a volunteer day, let's say yeah. 30 of their employees go out and um, they help out different organizations. Well, that touches every 30, every one of those 30 employees. And then, you know, yeah. now they know about Volunteer Sue Land. Now someone that they talk about so, or someone they talk to knows about Volunteer Sue Land. And, it, and it's just like a ripple effect. And, you know, we just, we're just trying to encourage that positive ripple in the community. Yeah.
0: I think, um, I forget what day it was, but that morning so they have an off-campus day. Oh, into the streets. Into it's the streets, up. Yeah, yeah, volunteer. Um, did you volunteer you guys volunteer student has collaborated with Morningside last year?
1: Yep. And so we're actually doing it this year too, you as well. Too? Okay. So this is the second year that we've been involved with into the streets. Um, and we, and obviously with any event of that nature, I mean, there's over a thousand volunteers for that event. Yeah. So it's, it's a big one. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit harder to track and get every single, uh, detail down to a T. But, you know, we've been able to work with them to get uh, the students signed up to communicate um, with the with the campus because the campus really wants to encourage these students to be going out and have a have a meaningful experience at Morningside. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to help them that exactly I was talking about connecting them to something they care about, which it was really cool. because like as as you um, mentioned that Morningside was a part of it last year. Briarcliff, uh, the college across town, they they also noticed that we were helping and they asked for us to get involved with them as well. So nice. actually today, there, it was Briarcliff's event day. Really? So over 400 volunteers at Briarcliff went out today and were volunteering in the community. Nice. Yep, and so we helped them getting connected there and you know making sure all of that gets tracked. And then we're going to provide them a little report and say, hey, look, here's what your 400 students and staff and alumni did today and be able to they then they can share that with their their network yeah
0: I remember doing into the streets I think it was junior senior year we're doing it for Habitat for Humanity and you know it helps like if you're doing it in a group it helps with bonding with other students too and and ultimately learning more about that organization and what what what's like what they do and behind the scenes of what they're all about and you know learning all about that it creates a more meaningful service that you're doing for them. So Absolutely. like that was a, a cool thing to be a part of when I was at Morningside and for volunteer ceiling, I because uh my roommate, Nick, I guess he was when he was like, like coordinating all that. Mm-hmm. Um, You mentioned volunteer student and I didn't even meet you then. So yep. I just remember that that was a cool thing that volunteer student was part of, you know, into the streets and doing a good thing for the community and to get, students involved and kind of changing that culture for the young adults to volunteer because we don't really see that as much now just because people are probably busy. But to be able to have students experience that, that that's a pretty good thing.
1: And I think, like you said, students, that's the key word there. And that's really how you change culture is you start start to get people while they're young and try to implement and ingrain things that that's going to be worth learning about. That's going to change, you know, what the future looks like. Um, and so, as colleges are starting to require, like I said, workplaces and colleges are starting to require these volunteer hours, high schools are doing it too. Yeah. And so now we're also we've been in contact with some of the local high schools about you know how can we get connected, how can they use our platform. Um, and again, you know, we're happy to collaborate with any of the high schools that are interested in using our platform to track their volunteer hours. And it all starts somewhere, right? And if we start yeah. with someone who's fourteen, Fifteen, sixteen. You know that they're going to have those traits for the rest of their life if they if they implement volunteering into their regular routine. or they think that that's something that you just do? Yeah,
0: something that's important to them. Right.
1: Which and volunteering is it's it's something that you have to want to do. It's not something you can force someone to do because yeah. it's it's in the name. Like you want to go and volunteer for something that you care about. It's because you want to help. You want to give back. And we really just want to uh, we want to help move the needle on the culture of volunteerism here in
0: Siouxland. I guess shifting to the coffee festival and bringing something like that to Sioux City. When was the first time you figured that out and you're like, "Oh, we sh- we need a coffee culture here." We you know, did you notice anything in other cities or was this always something that interested you to to bring to Sioux City?
1: Yeah, I think it all stemmed from Throwing events, I events was one of those things that I learned through from experience. Uh, in college, I would host events for our entrepreneurship group um, from yeah. different groups I was in student government. Also in college and leading out of college, um, the partner I was talking about, Sean Richardson, him and I would throw an event called Base Three. So we'd bring in three speakers from around the country, invite the community to come listen about entrepreneurship, innovation, and community building. So we threw like intimate events like that, and so I knew that I loved to throw events. Um, and fast forwarding to volunteer Sulean with my current partner, um, Kevin Engelcardi, he he's he's been doing nonprofit longer than I've been alive. So I mean that just yeah. that just shows you his his experience there. Um, but you know, we were just sitting down one day, and actually the the coffee festival origin story. Not many people know this, but it's actually kind of clever. Um... So we were training nonprofits how to use our software. And so to, to do that, we created a fake event called Coffee Anonymous. And it was a, it was a coffee oh, event. Okay. And after the training, we accidentally left it up. Not a big deal. The platform was new. There's not that many people on it. Well, by the end of the day, we had like 10 or 20 RSVPs to this fake coffee event that mm-hmm. we created. So going into year one and we're like, you know, what's going to be our main fundraiser this year? We kind of... uh we got to the drawing board and we created this non-typical fundraiser where we created this community events where people can enjoy the coffee and really just highlight a lot of the cool things that people are already doing in Siouxland Cause mm-hmm. I mean, everybody loves coffee and I think, well, I should say 99.9% of the population yeah, loves yeah. coffee. No, nothing against <laughs> other 0.1%. 0, yeah. 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 <laughs> the things that you like to are, are relevant, but um, we decided to take that and run with it. Okay. And, make it into something that people could enjoy because I mean one of my passions personally which is why I did the base three events with Sean Mm -hmm. was Sioux City making Sioux City a destination place so obviously I call Sioux City home I live here with my wife you know our family plans include Sioux City or the Siouxland area and we just wanted to make a really cool event in Sioux City like you don't have to go to Sioux Falls you don't have to go to Omaha for a cool event you don't have to Fly out anywhere. I mean, we wanted to create a cool experiences here in Sioux City where people from the outside could come and enjoy. People in our community can enjoy something in our community. So, it really, the first year was all about highlighting all of the local Siouxland shops, what they're doing and and just through a good time we had some live music there we had uh, coffee tastings we the coffee and nosh truck was was okay, uh, yeah. parked inside of the event so that was that was really cool we had a 21 foot stage with a latte art competition going on on that nice. so there's a lot of oohs and ahs in the crowd yeah. and people were <laughs> doing their their pours and everything so yeah I, so when you talk about the coffee festival and like the launch of that it was really just something Again, unexpected. We we didn't go into it saying, "Hey, let's create a coffee festival." Mm-hmm. We were like, "Hey, we saw an opportunity of there's interest here. Mm-hmm. There's it's it's highly marketable, and you know, let's just let's capitalize on
0: it." Did you have to for those ten members that signed up, or did you have to tell them like, "Hey, this is actually for real." Like yep. until you act like until you built the festival, like did you actually tell them, and what was their reaction to that? Yeah, no, that
1: it was it was like a it was a lot of laughter. We okay. we actually reached back out to them and. Again, it was a small amount of people on the platform at that time. There's only a few hundred, and we reached out to them. We said, hey, this, this actually isn't a real event. We apologize. Um, but then we ended up using those those contacts, and we, we did reach out to them, and we officialized and said, hey, we want to do a coffee festival. We reached out mm-hmm. back to them, and I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure all of them got tickets too. So yeah. that, was, that was pretty cool to nice. see.
0: Yeah, and for you saying, you know, you don't have to travel to the bigger cities to get this experience— mm-hmm. I kind of take that back to you know the Honey Wave Media where me Taylor and Brad kind of or it was more Taylor's idea to start Honey Media. It's you know he's the founder, but I went along with his his vision with being a full service media agency in Sioux City, and you know in Sioux City it's it doesn't really have the culture of creative like creative people or like videography you know we're like one of the few agencies that that do that service and um, I kind of came to thinking like halfway through this year um, you, you know I don't need to live in a big city to do cool things or create cool videos and you know I think that being in Sioux City and being in the Midwest we, we need that here you know it, it it like fulfills me to be like I can impact someone's um, as an individual or a brand and help them grow with um, my services and what I love to do and I don't have to be in a bigger city to, you know, be successful or whatever, like, right. everyone's definition of success. Um, I kind of, like, figured that way along, like, this year was... My ultimate goal was, like, after college, like, I want to move to a bigger city because I feel like there's more opportunity. There's, you know family there's a lot of factors that went into it but i was like i know a lot of people here like i you know i i grew up and learned and did all my videography and and i kind of built a name for myself here so like why not take advantage of that and do something cool and be based out of sioux city and you know, start something cool for ourselves. Yeah,
1: stuff. for sure. I think, yeah, you, you did mention that the market here isn't very saturated compared to places like the coast. I mean, you go out to L.A., you can probably throw a rock and hit 20 videographers, right? Yeah. Where in Sioux City, it's just, it's just not as common. Um, and I think that it's it's pretty apparent that what Honeywave Media is doing is pretty cool, which is obviously why uh, all the Student Coffee Festival – Promotions are shot by Honeywave Media, which you know get a, get all those nice graphics done. Yeah. Um, but as far as like the creatives, you know, in Sioux City, I think I think there are creatives out there. Honestly, yeah. it's just they need a reason to gather. You, they, mm-hmm. when people gather, really cool things start to happen. And I mean, just like what we've been talking about this entire podcast, you never know what the next thing's going to be. Right? It's those conversations that create those cool ideas that make you take a step forward and, like, okay, maybe we should test this out. Like you said, you, you you lined up with Taylor, and now you wanted to move to the coast, but guess what? You're here in Sioux City now, right? Yeah. Exactly. It's like, if you never met Taylor, would you, do you think you'll still be here in
0: Sioux City? Um, honestly, I think I'd move up to Minneapolis just right. because I'd, I'm not because of the culture, more so, like, family, but I knew, like, I could find, like, a job or something aligned with, um creating content because right. I know that that's it's like been on the rise lately of content creation and how much businesses and individuals are producing. So I was like I could probably find a job somewhere right. like I had faith in that but then it was more like I can build something for myself right and I can be around people that I have the same mindset and the same same drive. So it was uh, kind of the idea of I don't really want to work for somebody. Mm-hmm but i want to either work for myself or be surrounded and build something with others that you know i'm super passionate about and also the team's passionate about so right
1: yeah and there's nothing wrong with working for somebody yeah, like a lot it's of people, not, no. yeah some people get the the mindset of it's it's bad if i go work for somebody yeah. but really it's 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 yeah. not it's just learning learning where what you're best at until yeah. you hit a point where, like you're at, where you knew you were capable of producing high-caliber content yeah. and producing it for um, yeah na- national brands. Is that is that uh, correct saying?
0: I mean, I would say a national, regional. National reach? Yeah, re- reach, right. regional, and we do a lot of local work too. Right. But, uh, yeah, and you have to, like, enjoy what you do too. you so, got to be happy. you got yeah, to be, be happy living so your life. Like, I guess that's more like my my Thing I, I found happiness in this area, I knew that I could pursue this as a career, so um, I went and chased that, right? So, obviously, it, it wasn't, I, yeah, it wasn't more of the idea like, oh, like I don't want to work for somebody, but I'd rather pursue what I love to do first. I, yeah, I
1: think that key component is knowing what's going to make you happy and not just chasing a dream and not understanding why you're chasing it. Yeah, a lot of it for me was identifying where what are my priorities, what are my main three goals in life, and that was always, and it, I don't think they've ever changed ever since I was at a young age and wrote these down. First one was to be a good husband. So mm-hmm. I am currently married mm-hmm. to uh, my wife, Jessica, and happily married ever since November 24th last year, which you shot at. Yeah. Um, be a good father. You know, I wanted to have kids, you know, hopefully that that's in the timeline. All the stars in mm-hmm. line there. And have a career that I enjoy. So one thing that I've always reflected on, I've always been impressed that I've never put a dollar amount on that, even at a young yeah. age, because I know... There was times where I thought a dollar amount is what would make me happy, and there's been times where I've made more money, and there's been times where I've made less money, obviously with the with um running a business like I said the clients they don't pay, you don't get paid in time. all that stuff goes down with entrepreneurship but and it's it was really it was really eye opening when I did all my shifting and put my eggs into different baskets yeah. of just noticing how how much more happy I was when I was chasing the things that I always wanted to do. And that that actually meant something to me and not trying to just impress somebody like, Mm -hmm. oh, hey, I make X amount a year. Like when you're when you're chasing that, you're always seeking approval from other people. Right. Where internally, I always knew that, you know, obviously everybody wants to be able to be the most successful version of themselves. Right. But I knew that the dollar amount wasn't what I was ever chasing. It was those other three components that I've kind of just held true to and made sure that I emphasized those.
0: Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. I think that um, when you have all the stuff and you realize, you know, this isn't... I also think it's difficult, too, because we live in a social media world. And it's like, you don't... What you see on social media and the internet is people's highlights. You know, you don't see what they're going through, what's going on in their mind. Like, you know, actually, so what you see there is like what other people are doing. You just kind of need to focus on yourself and what you want to do. don't, you know, don't really care what other people are doing. And also, you know, you can respect other people's lives and what they choose to do. But if you don't want it, then you ultimately shouldn't run with the crowd and should choose what's, what makes you happy, like as an individual. And I just learned throughout the years, to be on social media, like intentionally, Mm -hmm. if you choose it, um, I think social media could be a good thing, but also could be a bad thing. I think it'd be a good thing, because a lot of people, um, you know, there's a lot of creativity on social media. There's a lot of, a lot of people doing good things, that people aren't aware of, and where people are able to see what's going on, and become more aware of an issue, and stuff like that. Um, Where it becomes bad is where, yeah, like I said, you, you, compare yourself or and it's kind of hard too because i i like to post but ultimately if i post then i feel like i'm just doing the same thing to other people right you know like i'm showing my highlights right so it's kind of tough to be like all right i want to post on social media and i don't i don't think it's a bad thing to take a break or to be on social media with intentionality and be like all right i need to be on social media because my business revolves around social media Mm -hmm. and content creation and kind of, like, branding myself. But ultimately, you have to, if you're going to post, you know, do it out of your own joy. Don't do it for other people. And um, I think when I, so I think basically not this summer, last summer, uh, junior year summer, two years ago, I went to Spain, and that was when, like, I was starting to kick off like doing the content creation but then again I was still kind of like fuzzy about what I wanted to do so I went to Spain for study abroad and that was like super eye-opening because when you go to Europe like they're not superficial you know they're not on their phones they love the face-to-face contact they love to make relationships and just enjoy each other's companies and I was like I was barely on my phone. Like, I went to classes. I hung out with people. The only time I was on it was just to communicate, like, where we're going to meet up. Right. And I was barely on social media. Different lifestyle. And, yeah, the cleanse was, like, just eye-opening because um, I was able just to enjoy life. Like, I didn't have anybody's, I felt like I didn't have anybody's life to compare to. Isn't
1: it an interesting time we live in, where we 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 get to constantly see what other people are doing?
0: Yeah, that's that's insane. Yeah, and I think it's just it was just super super cool to like live in the moment, you know, right. and not even like care about what other people think about you. And I've also like learned too, if people you know even on social media or people are just doing stuff, just not to judge people either, because mm-hmm. that's what they love to do. Yeah, they're so, and they're happy. Yeah, and I want to support. Other people as much as, you know, my my supporters, if, you know, they support me, I want to support other people too. And, um, yeah, I think social media could play a big part on that. You just got to use it with intentionality.
1: Yeah, and I think as long as people understand that, like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if I don't like if you're happy, right? Yeah. As long as you are happy that you're happy, that's all it is. Yeah. You don't have to worry about what other people think of you. So... Mm-hmm you don't need to be posting for approval of other people or to get someone's attention. Like again, people can live their lives how they want. And there's, as long as you're not hurting anybody or,
0: you know, bringing anyone down. Exactly. I
1: mean, do what you want to do. Like who cares? Just be yourself
0: and have fun with it. Creative. Yeah. That's, I think that's like, life should just, I I feel like if life was taken just a little bit less serious, I think I learned that too. It was like, I lived a little bit less serious. And if I didn't put pressure on myself, or you know, I feel like stress and pressure is all like mm. self, like imposed, like oh, always, you know, like I guess like if I was stressed about um, like a maybe a client like just dropped like dropped the, like a project on me that was like last minute, and uh, you know, ultimately, like I guess the first thing people would do would be, like oh, like I just got this thing on like. This project, yeah. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get it done because I know it's gonna take time. It's all about perspective. Yeah, it's just perspective and the positivity, and the mindset. And you're
1: blessed with that problem. Like you're, yeah, like you're lucky to have a client drop work on you. Yeah,
0: and the thing is, like, I'd rather be doing this than something else. Like, exactly. I wouldn't rather. I'd be. I like to. I, like, I'd rather be in this place where I am now than any other place. And yeah, just the mindset. You got to be positive about. And grateful, I and mean, like they grat, like being having gratitude of where you're at, mm-hmm. and also pursuing your goals, like right. your own goals, not for anybody else. And
1: yeah, I, th- I think there's something to be said about living in the Midwest. You know, I've I've traveled quite a bit, and I've never had any bad experiences on either coast, no, no matter where it's at. But living in the Midwest, people just seem happier. Like I'm pretty sure Lamar's Iowa is one of like the top ten happiest places yeah. on earth. Like. <laughs> it's just, it's just a different vibe here. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're waving to everybody you drive by, you brush shoulders with somebody at the grocery store It's a nice greeting. Oh, hello. You know, it's like everyone's kind or most, you know, mostly Mm -hmm. everyone's kind. I mean, I I think there's something special about to the Midwest that uh, people kind of overlook sometimes.
0: Yeah. So I guess, um, you talked about you and your wife, so I know you're a go getter, you know you hustle you know, and you you know you work to to grow something, so how does one pursue something but also have a strong relationship with their partner
1: yeah this this was a a combination of balance, I would say for sure of personal life and work life, and someone who again taught me about this was Sean Richardson. He uh, he's known his, his now wife ever, ever since high school. So like he knew that she was the one and she was always there to support him, push him to do greater things. And now he's running a very successful tech company in the construction industry. And, you know, he's always had that support of that extra person that's in his corner, always saying, good job, keep pushing. And, you know, he told me that when I, when I first met him, he's like, honestly, this this is a it's a huge asset. Like this is something I live by. This is something that um, I find true. And you know he was right. I I met Jess, and ever since meeting her, she's always been right there in my corner. Whether mm-hmm. it was during the highs, during the lows, pushing me to go forward, um, even critiquing me, like having an extra person that's their set of eyes and mm-hmm. saying hey, or t- to call me on my shit sometimes. Yeah. You know because yeah. I'm not always right. Like I said, yeah. I like I like to test things. I like to learn. I like to fail. And from that, I learn. And being able to have that extra person in the in your corner, I think, I don't know if you can put a value on that. Um, as far as balance, though, it's it's really just about understanding the dynamics of the relationship. What what do? And I don't want to I don't want to like quantify it, but like, what do I need from her? What does she need from me? Mm-hmm. And to, what's
0: important to you? and What's important to her? Right.
1: Yeah. And yeah. like, I think it's learning about that from each other, and, you know, I have things that meant a whole heck of a lot to me, and she, I mean, she's introduced me to, to so many things that have opened my eyes about the world, so she's, she's worked with people with disabilities, um, highlighting autism on, on the, on the spectrum there, along with uh, a syndrome called Rett syndrome, and I've met, I've met these kids that, well, I guess they're not kids anymore, now they're teenagers, oh my gosh, I feel, I feel old to saying yeah. that, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, introduced me to peoples that have have these uh, these special needs, and it really opened up my heart to a lot of things going on in the world. Like, a lot of the problems I have, my everyday things that I, I might complain about are so insignificant. Like, yeah. the, I, there's other people out there that have so many more barriers that are still leading a great life, and... Like I said, she kind of just has opened up my eyes to that, and be having that person there for you again, that's pushing me to grow that maybe maybe it's not getting better at Photoshop or getting better at recording videos, yeah. but making me a better person, helping me understand the world a little bit better and just be having someone to experience life with I, I you know, like I said it's hard to put that value on it but but again yeah. that's that's my personal experience, you know not everybody needs that person there or wants that person there. They might have their own path. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I can just say from personal experience, having my wife there has made everything better. Yeah,
0: And not just like, um, I guess, relations like that, but even like friendships, you know. You need that close set of close inner circle that's always going to support you. Oh, 100 percent. I need that group that group chat text. Yeah. To I need to send that that hype message
1: like when I just landed a new deal or yeah. something. Yeah. Like you have to send that to to the friends and
0: uh, and you know celebrate those wins like that too. Yeah. And like your inner friends, your inner circle, they're always going to support you and they're always going to call you on your crap. And oh like, yes. They're always going to keep it one hundred and you know. Ultimately, that's going to help you grow as a person, individual and in what you're um, pursuing. Like you said, you know, helping you figure out the world and more about yourself and your, your mind and your thinking. Right. So also having inner circle helps a lot. And yeah. inner circle could be the people that you work with or, you know, friends that you've chosen to be in the inner circle. I think you just need to, you know. Find those. I don't think you could do it all on your own. No. You know what I'm saying? Like
1: so yeah, some of the best friends I have too were like my worst enemies at one point. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's like those relationships that just get built and that they have that foundation of you've been through thick and thin. Yeah. I mean, yeah, some of the some of my friends in my group chat I've known for you know the majority of my life. I'm twenty six now. I've probably known some of them since I was two years old. Mm-hmm. Like so when you talk about being able to call someone on their shit. My, yeah. yeah, those, those friends that I've had for life, they have no yeah. hesitation and they'll let me they hear know you for you and what yeah. you're
0: doing. They're like, this is, I'm going to say something because I know, like, I know also what's good for you. Yeah. You know what, what's good for yourself, but they also know too, because they know you that well. Yeah.
1: They, yeah. they just know that I personally won't be offended with whatever yep. they say. Not that I'm not an easy person to offend by, by any means, but they'll cut straight to it. And yeah. I think that's something that I appreciate them communicating to me in that way yeah
0: and you just learn to take it too and for consideration because uh, I don't know it's just harder if someone if they're if they're not your close friend you haven't been through that thick and thin right you might be too soft and you might take it the wrong way and yeah.
1: Um, well yeah and you just need someone there to also just like I said celebrate those wins like if you're not you, you have to celebrate when when uh, you have big achievements like I get the mindset because I personally have it where no matter how good I do at something it's never good enough it needs to be better and sometimes that can be a little a little too much of a I don't say negative mindset but that can be too much pressure to put on put on yourself and having those friends there they kind of remind you that hey, what you did was good, now shut up and let's go grab a beer or let's go take a trip or something like that. So it's always good to have those in your corner.
0: Did you ever have someone, like, throughout your whole journey till now, like, if they saw you starting something, did they ever, like, have anyone doubt you? Like, oh, you're not going to, like, you're not going to do good in that direction of your career. Like, did you have anybody, like, actually physically say it or, like, kind of, like, you heard it from somebody else?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's been a few of them. It's just noise like that, just kind of filters out to yeah. me. It's, I don't know. I've always been able to filter out the good and bad type of people, and so yeah. like if I if I heard someone say something that like that, I would either call them out on it or I would just
0: not even. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would just that. nod
1: off. It's irrelevant. I mean, I think some of it kind of stems from again going back into like the high school, middle school years. I was always that kid that was off task. It didn't not that I didn't do well in school, because I mean on on a roll, all that yeah. stuff like that. Like it was just, I have, I had a different personality type. It wasn't, I didn't, I didn't need to pay attention in class. I might've been disrupting my neighbor, which, you know, probably isn't the best thing, you <laughs> yeah. know, looking back on it. But um, I, I just learned different and I, and I operated different. It wasn't, I didn't need to memorize all, all the presidents in order because I knew eventually like, when am I ever going to need that yeah. in, in, in my life? So I think a lot of, a lot of my younger teachers kind of saw that as a problem. And I think some of them saw it as this kid just understands what he needs to get done and understands that Mm -hmm. this isn't going to be something that he needs. And, you know, I get, I get the component to it where you need to have structure and learn certain things throughout high school. But, you know, there were some teachers along the way that uh, definitely helped motivate me. Yeah.
0: And when you're, um, I guess, starting to build, you know, the coffee festival and, Volunteer and like how important it, it is to have a team. Like, can you go through, like, oh gosh. how important it is, like, to not just do it by yourself, but yep. to have, you know, even your wife or, you know, your business partners or your close friends. Like, how important is it to have that team support you and having, like, tasks split amongst people to help you out? That's one
1: of the hardest things it was for me to learn was how to delegate giving up control of what you're working on and the quality of what you're working on and handing it off to somebody else and saying, "Hey, please please do this for me. This is what we need to get done. Mm-hmm. And you, you just really need to find that right person. Yeah. As, as for a coffee festival, for example, um, we had volunteers for the events, but you know at, at the event there were some fires to put out, not literal fires, but metaphorical fires mm-hmm. where you know stuff needed to get done. But I was occupied. I was doing other things. so I needed someone to lean on and say, hey, will you please help me do this? And someone that I could trust to get it done. And, you know, again, coming into my corner was my wife. She was there. I knew that she's very detail-oriented. She's very good at communicating with people. She can hold herself in a professional manner and represent mm-hmm. the coffee festival in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And I said, multiple <laughs> tasks. Jess, could you please do this, this, yep. this, and this? And she just nailed no it question. out of the park. And so, you know, looking at this year, she's agreed to help, you know, officially be one of the volunteer coordinators nice. so that, I can I can understand all, every, all the roles I, n- I need to get done mm-hmm. and that I can communicate them to her so that she can ha- kind of have a structure and, you know, lead our volunteers and saying, hey, you guys over here are going to be doing this. You guys over here are going to be doing that. Mm-hmm. And it really just helps the structure. And that's as far as um, delegation goes. But when it comes to partnerships and things like that, working with somebody, especially when it's just one other person, you really have to be able to let go what you think is right sometimes Mm -hmm. because there's been times where I, what I wanted to do, I still think could have been cool. But what we ended up doing was what, one of my partners wanted to do. And that was still successful as well. Mm -hmm. So there's no like one solution to that. And sometimes you just, you know, you got to find that, that blend of partnership,
0: be open-minded to a lot of ideas and kind of just letting that ego go and be like, all right, like I, I also trust your judgment. Right. I, You know, you have to kind of collaborate your minds together instead of having one mind. But like two minds are better, right? So you have to also let let someone that might know the situation better, how to do this or do something else better, and kind of just trusting that. that Exactly.
1: I think that's kind of also hard for entrepreneurs, like
0: yeah, because you're a self starter and you do everything yourself, and you never, you know, if you're kind of exposed into a team or your, your circle and you're used to doing stuff by yourself, it's kind of hard to get out of that. You know, you, you train your mind to, to do it all yourself. And then it's like, no, I can't because then I get overwhelmed and, you know, communication is key communication. Yeah. And I, you know, being part of the honey wave team too. And Taylor's done a good job of trusting me and trusting my judgment on projects and stuff. So he would be like, Hey, I need this project, this quick project done as soon as you can and um he trusts me with my like production ability and able to be self sufficient and you know get things in on time and it works too cuz it's even vice versa i can lean on him and be like hey can you help me with this part of the project so i can focus on on more of this other project right. and it's like no questions like we already know that we're a good team and we can we can right. create at a high level and You know, not just do it ourselves, but collaborate together and just be able to lean on each other for certain things.
1: I think it's important, though, that people don't force partnerships. I've personally witnessed some pretty bad fallouts where people, they have a similar vision in mind, but they don't have the same way of getting to the same destination. Um, You really need to make sure that all of your values align, I think, especially Mm -hmm. when starting a new business. It's very crucial to make sure you understand who your partner is, how they operate, you know what makes them tick because you're gonna be working with that person as far as the longevity of that that company that you start, you'll be working with that person until until further notice
0: mm-hmm. so yeah i and that yeah that's super important to have and you know friendships can be broken i yeah, mean it's, they can be and i I've, I've even seen like families who do business with each other and they fall apart because the business and the money gets in the way of it and it's not healthy. So you have to have that, whether that's your business partners or, you know, even your close friends, you got to, you got to choose those people like, you know, wisely and being able to, um, you know, know their ins and outs and, you know, just honestly, just whenever you're in their presence and you guys are hanging out with each other, you just have to enjoy one's company too. You can't be uncomfortable with it. You know, so, yeah. And then I guess let's talk more about the coffee festival coming up and, uh, you know, when it is, what can people expect and, um, yeah, and how how is that going right now? Yeah, so
1: November 2nd from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Sioux City Convention Center. That it will be the second annual Sulean Coffee Festival. You Get your tickets at com or uh, head over to our Facebook. Actually, we got our Facebook event. Say you're interested, to get all the updates there. That's at Sulean Coffee. But all that is going better than last year. As yeah. a, first year events are always scary because you don't know what to expect. But yeah, yeah, we said
0: like 1,100 people attendees. Yep.
1: We just broke 1,100 attendees last year. Okay, so that was uh, that was pretty cool. But so, that, yeah, marketing for a first-year event is terrifying. Yeah. So especially you know when it comes to ticket sales. It's like, come on, people, yeah. get in the door. But um, so we're building off that from last year. And so this year we're way ahead of where we were last yeah. year. But, you know, that's to be expected because we we want to grow this thing. Yep. We don't want it to be what it was last year. We want it to be better. Um, but you can expect sample coffees from all these different vendors. And all, all of this is included with the one-ticket type. It's just general admission, Um live music, sample all the coffees. There'll be a latte art competition. You can actually mm-hmm. paint with coffee. So that was a really fun attraction last year and I know a lot of the the parents who brought their kids really enjoyed that that yeah. section of it last year. We're going to have around between 20 and 30 vendors r- varying from local to regional to national. Mm-hmm. So that's been very exciting to bring on some regional and national brands this year. There's going to be what else we got going on? Um yeah, the food the coffee and truck Sorry, okay. excuse me. Coffee and Nosh food truck will be there. Um, they'll be doing some samples of coffee as well, but actually they'll be doing some trivia, coffee okay. trivia outside of their truck. Um, food will not be for purchase at the event, unfortunately, just because of uh, some some standards with the convention center and the contracts that they have, so we can't officially sell food. But we're we're working on some workarounds mm-hmm. for that. So last year we had some vendors handing out some samples of food. Um we got tea this year. So that was nice. a huge version or upgrade from last year was people said, Hey, we had a good time, but we'll get some tea, you know? So yeah, because there's a
0: different type of. I mean, your target is coffee lovers, right? You know, and people who love coffee or just you know, interested in coffee. But there's also this sub target that's like, Oh, we like tea too. Right. Like, can you highlight a little bit of this in the event?
1: The caffeine experience. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I guess. Um, them being interested in tea, like I guess, what what did you start doing now that from last year that they wanted more tea stuff? Yeah, so we didn't do
1: anything too crazy. We yeah. were just we're just dipping our toes in the water there. So we just brought on a couple of tea vendors, people that we knew were have been in the industry for a little bit and can speak educatedly on all those topics. Uh, going forward, though, we still we still have that that component to it where it's got some tea, but we still have a lot more. Like I said, coffee experiences. Uh, a few of the highlights this year because we actually, a vendor from last year actually approached us and said, hey, we had a great time last year. Can we be a sponsor? And yeah. not only a sponsor, but they wanted to be a presenting sponsor. Yeah. So we've been working with our presenting sponsor, Stone Brew, on that. And they're we're actually going to work with them to bring in uh, a bean-to-brew experience. So what that's going to be is four stations that teach you how coffee gets from point where it's grown all the way into your cup at home. So mm-hmm. there'll be uh Stonebrew is working with uh, their importer, Cafe Imports. That's out at, mm-hmm. uh, at Minneapolis, actually. So they they do green coffee beans. So that'll be one component to it of the green coffee beans, learning about where it's from, mm-hmm. how it's grown, why is coffee green? Because yep. a lot of people don't know that coffee yeah, is green when it sucks. I
0: didn't learn that till when we shot your podcast with yeah. that, with Brad. I didn't know that. That was an interesting fact. And you guys are also talking about homebrew methods too. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people like coffee and they make, you know, the traditional, like maybe drip, the ones that this, they're used to. And yeah. talk a little bit about how, how that's going to go down at the festival too with the, the homebrew methods. Yeah,
1: for sure. So, yeah, the first component to it is going to be the origins and that's going to be a Stonebrew slash Cafe Imports experience. I'll kind of just walk you through. The second station will be – a roasting experience where you can actually learn about roasting the different types of roasts: light, medium, dark, all the above. And you can actually roast with a, the roaster, and so that's going to be like really cool. Like you can like, actually sit there and roast with a roaster. Really, you can so roast like your the, own coffee. The
0: people that are attending can go and roast their own
1: coffee. Yes, you can actually roast your own coffee, nice. which is a really cool experience if you've never been able to do that before which I'm assuming most people haven't because I personally haven't until I was able to throw this festival so that's uh, I would highly encourage you to get in line for that and that's only the second part of that process so now we have origin now we Mm -hmm. have the roasting and then the third part of this component to it is the the shop terminology slash cafe so Mm -hmm. you know when you go to your your coffee shop there's a huge menu full of very confusing different drinks that you've probably never even ordered. You don't even
0: know what's in your drink that you're ordering. You're just ordering it. Exactly.
1: So you're probably getting the same thing over and over again, but there's about a hundred other different options up there. So we're going to be bringing in um, some shop terminology to kind of decipher that menu and kind of clear those things up to hopefully get you onto a better drink. Because me personally, I used to drink just regular black coffee. Then I kind of worked my way up to lattes, but then I ended up finding out my favorite drink is uh, is an Americano. And obviously, okay. you know, everybody likes to try the pumpkin spice things now yeah. this time and of year. And what's
0: in the Americano? Can you, I guess, explain that?
1: Yeah. So an Americano, all that is, it's like, so if you like brewed, just fresh brewed coffee, black, okay. or even if you had cream, um, the Americano is just taking that straight espresso. So it's not just drip coffee. You're taking um, straight espresso and mixing it with water. Okay. And it's, it's just creating this really pure, smooth drink. And you can get yeah. that. Iced, not iced, you know, preference depending on what's like. But we live in the mm. Midwest, so, you know, iced and non-iced are two good options, whether it's winter or summer here. Yeah. Um, and then moving on, sorry, to, the, to your final when you were talking about homebrew. So now we got the origin, we have roasting, we have shop terminology, and finally we want to bring that all home to homebrew methods. So we're going to have some trained baristas there teaching you how to make the best coffee possible at home in different nice. methods different, uh, different equipment you can use and things of that nature. So I don't want to give too much away because, uh, there's some good value at the, at the yeah, event. So you do obviously want to go through that experience, but yeah, everything from where the coffee comes from to how to make it in your own own home. And you can kind of expect that at this year's student coffee festival. Yeah.
0: So as a event organizer and the person that's kind of been putting these events together, how important is it to have those interactive activities there because I know, like, I guess, it, um, if you're nonprofits who put on events, uh, they might struggle with, well, oh, what's working, what's not working, mm-hmm. and even those interactive pieces kind of resonate with the people who are attending. So how's how like how's important to have those interactive? They're pretty activities? crucial,
1: to be honest. I'd say they're right, they're right up there along with event layout. So those two kind of go into each other. So last year. We had to arrange this space in a way that we knew attend. We had to think like an attendee. Like what, yeah. when they walk through those doors, what are they going to want to do first? What are they going to see? Where are they going to Where are they going to step to? If, if if the line's long, where are they going to go after that? You know how how are we how can we push the attendee naturally in a way so they can experience the whole event without missing anything? So that that was kind of the first layout because we knew what the experiences that were going to be there. So then we just kind of created this map of how we hoped that they would move organically throughout the event. And so that's what we did this year. We, we thought about how can we educate the average person more about coffee. So people are coming to this event with the expectation of doing all, all things coffee related and drinking a bunch of coffee. But, but truly what we want to do is have them come to the event, have good coffee but walk away learning something new about coffee. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the end goal. Is we want to teach them something. We want them to walk away with value of something they learned at our events through those experiences while having a good time because of the very intentional event layout. because there's been a lot of events I've been to where if you don't have a good layout, things get clustered, people leave, mm-hmm. you get bad reviews. And you know fortunately, we didn't have any terrible re- reviews or even bad reviews to be to be frank. but, we we want to make sure that those problems don't arise. Yeah. We want to eliminate wanna, any problems in advance. You want to
0: make the consumer experience as best as possible. Yeah, flawless. Yeah, and even, like you said, you have bad reviews, or not bad reviews, but maybe, like, recommendations mm-hmm. of what people actually want to see next year, right? Right. Especially,
1: I mean, even things about, like, parking. Like, Yeah. Do you, where, are your, where are your attendees going to park? Do they know where to park? Do they know how much it costs to park? Is it free to park? Mm-hmm. There's... A million questions for every yep. different aspect that you have to think about. How how long is the general attendee going to stay here? Can we fit X amount of people in this space for that amount of time? Are people going to come in in the hundreds? Are they, they going to bring their kids? Which we are a family friendly event. We don't really yeah. we didn't really push that last year, but it just kind of happened naturally that you know people are able to come out and have a good time with their family friends. You know, their, some of their kids were with, and it just turned out to be a good event. But yeah. So when it comes down to event planning, there's a million things that go into it. And it's just really trying to get inside the head of an attendee and and like saying, if I were, if I were attending this event, what would I want? How would I want to experience Mm -hmm. it? And really just, you know, locking that in. Yeah.
0: And that makes a big difference too. When you're thinking it from a, you know, audience perspective or consumer perspective, um, how they're going to experience that. Mm -hmm. And then you, you know, you take action or you try something, you know, trial and error and see what works and, um you know hopefully like improve every year and grow every year so yeah that's the ultimate goal and then you also um all the proceeds from the festival go back to volunteer seal so that's how how i mean that's really important to you know both of the things that you're starting so talk a little bit more about um your your um kind of goal to have all the the proceeds go to yeah. the volunteer land.
1: Yeah, so we we knew doing this event, it was going to be, be a very non-typical fundraiser rather than inviting, inviting people to come and, you know, saying, hey, we're doing this in the community. We want you to support it. Could you generously support by writing a check or donating? We didn't want to do that typical fundraiser because we wanted to have a community buy-in and create something, like I said, that can bring people to Sioux City but can also get people connected to the cause. So we knew that if people came to the event, we need them to also walk away with knowing that it supported Volunteer Siouxland. Whether they knew what Volunteer Siouxland did or not, that wasn't the goal, surprising. If they walked away hearing Volunteer Siouxland, that's a win for us. Mm-hmm. Did I try to promote the cause? Absolutely. And we and we did have a pretty good response of people understanding what Volunteer Siouxland was. But again, the goal wasn't necessarily to make the event to highlight Volunteer Land. Yeah. We were highlighting the coffee culture in our community, but it just happened to be benefiting Volunteer Siouxland. So that's been one um, fine line that we've been riding because obviously we want to let people know that the proceeds are going back to this cause that is within their community. But you, you don't want to mix up the messaging because yeah. you don't want it to be sounding like, oh, they're coming to this event to support the vol- yeah. volunteers, which that's great if people are doing that, mm-hmm. and we we greatly appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But that's not that's not what's going to attract the mass. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're talking to the coffee lovers, the people who are willing to drive from Sioux Falls, from Omaha, from from I think Lincoln was our furthest attendee last okay. year. Someone drove from Lincoln, Nebraska, to come to a coffee festival in Sioux City. City, right? So we knew that's who we're trying to communicate to, and then implementing tools on social media. Facebook's been. Crazy yeah. successful with their event feature. So if I if I go on to Facebook and let's say Honeywave Media is throwing a tech party and I hit interested, yep. all of my friends now see that I'm interested yep. in Honeywave's tech party. Well, guess what? I have twenty tech friends that yeah. see that I'm interested and they're going to hit interested. And guess what? Now all of their friends see that you know. So yeah. it's just really this domino effect and connecting, connecting this this event that we're doing to To the cause that we're supporting, so it's just really finding uh, a really clever way of educating the consumer slash attendee about what we're doing and why we're doing it.
0: And it's more as like, um, kind of like you're. It's not like contributing just to volunteer land, but it's like let's we're putting on an event that's for coffee lovers, and Mm -hmm. like that's our goal is to help educate them at least one thing Mm -hmm. about coffee. But it's just an add on to be like you know like the proceeds are also going to a good cause right. and you can know that when you leave and you're enjoying the event that exactly. what you put into it is actually going something that's going to benefit the community yep
1: and you can do that just through like adding maybe on a couple of posts throughout you know leading up to the event promotion you throw that in there the, the, that's one example when you're going out to people to people and sponsors you're talking about the cause and but for the attendee, like you said, you can do that in a way of signage. You can do that, what like personally greeting people. You know, I could have a bunch of volunteers, and all the pe- volunteers for the Siouxland Coffee Festival, I could have that as a part of their duties of like just talking to people and saying, "Hey, how how are you guys doing? Are you having a good time? Yeah, did you know that this event supports Volunteer Siouxland as well?" And it's just like again, it's just the added value that it's the good cause, and yeah, that's it's been. It's been really fun to be able to educate people in, a, in that way too because it's, it's, they don't expect it, right? Yeah. It's, it's just something that just happens, and you know, it's really cool to see, again, where that ripple effect, at, where it all leads to. So you know, we throw a coffee festival. Well, now how many people just signed up on the Volunteer Suitland platform because yep. then we can kind of see a direct correlation mm-hmm. of, well, mm-hmm. these, these people heard about it. We didn't tell them to sign up but they purposely went to org and signed up because they heard about it, and those are the people that we really want to uh, have on a platform. Mm-hmm.
0: So I guess coming to the end of this podcast, I'm getting a little, a little extended, but uh, <laughs> the show is called Hustle and Joe Podcast for the reason. Joe meaning cup of, cup of Joe, cup coffee. Of Joe. Um, and so basically my question, I, I, I'm basically going to ask like two questions. Yeah. So the cup of Joe is like, you wake up in the morning, and it gives you this drive, right? The coffee, I mean, for some people, they enjoy it. For some people, it's like, oh, I wake up, I drink coffee, and I'm ready to go, right? Mm-hmm. So what is your drive? What is the reason why you wake up and you do what you do every day And and, and that? That's a good question. How long do you want this podcast to go? <laughs> uh, I mean, it could, be, it could be short. It could be as extended as you want it to be. But your main drive for waking up and being able to just enjoy what yeah. you do—it doesn't have to be like um, why you hustle or anything. It can just be like why you wake up and you want and you want to do what you do because you love it that much,
1: right? I I think the impact is what honestly keeps me driven and also what keeps me happy, knowing that I'm waking up, creating or doing something that I've started with somebody and that it it didn't exist before, right? So if I were to just disappear and my partner were to just disappear, like it wouldn't exist anymore, right? Mm -hmm. So I know that continuing to do this can affect a lot more people than just my time put in. So my time put in to me is worth the effect that it could have on the Siouxland community like I said, if we, if we're hitting these these high schools and colleges and connecting these kids to opportunities that lead into something greater, th- those kids might stay around the area, they might move all around the world. and if we can continue to move the culture of that forward, it's really cool to think about the impact that we could have as a whole, not yeah. necessarily saying that I'm having that impact, but helping helping push people to achieve something, something bigger, something mm-hmm. better, pushing us in a forward direction. I mean, it's, yeah, when you get into that question, it it, it can be very yeah, deep.
0: really detailed. It could be in a lot of different variations of right. where, what, what drives you to do what you do. And it's, they can go like, your impact can be on a really individual scope where mm-hmm. like you have impact on one person's life and you're able to help them with their direction and guide them to, to do something big, but also could be at scale. You'd be like, I could change the culture. I could change a lot of people's lives and help them, you know, pursue what they want to pursue.
1: Yeah. And I think that, that motivator specifically is tied to volunteer Siouxland. So Mm -hmm. that, that is just one component to it. You know, if you, if we're talking about coffee festival, like, which is my entire life up until November 2nd, Mm -hmm. um, that motivator is is bringing something cool to Sioux City. It really is. And knowing that people are flying in to our event, or flying into Sioux City to be a part of our yeah. event, that means a whole heck of a lot to me. Yeah. When I say that, I say that with pride. Like yeah. someone's flying in to Sioux City yeah. to be in Sioux City for a Sioux City event. Yeah. More people just need to do stuff like that. And then that's when people stop saying, oh, Sioux City doesn't have anything to do yeah. because Sioux City has a lot of cool things to do. Yeah. And I wish people would just realize that and just. Um, kind of break down those barriers yeah. again, but those, those two are just, those two are work related, you know, yeah. but it's, if, if I, if I didn't have the Siouxland Coffee Festival or volunteer Siouxland, I, I can tell you right now, I would still be happy. I still, you know, have a great relationship with my wife. Um, you know, we have a lot of goals that we personally have set for ourselves and, you know, that, that in itself, like I said, I have that second goal that I'm trying to tick off right now too, of, uh, you know, eventually raising a family, but, you know, I want to make sure that whenever I'm ready to have a family, that it's going to be in a community that I, that I take pride in, that I, you know, that I feel like it's safe for them to be in, that they're going to have the best opportunities. And so doing these things as Volunteer Siouxland and the Siouxland Coffee Festival are helping me kind of mold the community in a way, even if it's just a little bit, to make it a better space for not only my kids, but you know, the future kids of, of the Siouxland area.
0: Yeah, and that's honestly like a great, Great goal to have, you know, foreseeing the future and kind of, like, building that foundation. I think that's really important. Um, Who inspires you? Who inspires me?
1: (sighs) Famous people or, like, local people? It could
0: be both. I mean, it could be who, I guess, has the most impact on you or maybe has the most influence on you, something along those lines.
1: Honestly, I know I've talked about it a lot this podcast, but I got to go with my wife. She, uh, I know a lot lot of people, people see what I'm doing because what I'm doing is on the screen. You know, it's on Facebook, it's on Twitter. Like people see what I'm doing because it's out there Yeah. where my wife, what she does every day, she's actually a speech language pathologist and also a a certified lactation counselor. And so she, she's in a hospital setting. And, you know, even after, after doing that in a hospital setting, she, she goes out and, to the Siouxland area and does uses her services for people at home because there's a need for her for her um, trade in our area. So the the only reason that she spends extra time after work to work more mm-hmm. is because she knows that people in the area if they if they need her service they they're not going to get it if she's not doing it. Yeah. And you know she helps people from anything with when you hear speech pathologist it can be anything from like kids. Or children's speech to people who have had strokes and can't eat anymore, mm-hmm. and you know she and she helps people along that process. And you know, I I think I'm doing you know a couple of cool things, you know. But yeah. she's she's literally every day going in and impacting people's lives, and yeah. it's like gives me goosebumps thinking about it, yeah. talking about it. Because it's like she changes whether people can eat for the rest of their life. She changes how kids are going to be perceived because growing up, kids. I mean, you think speech impediments can be can be uh, bad because I mean. There's bullying in, in schools. Yeah. You know, it, it just happens. Kids have to learn right from wrong. But, you know, even, like, the little impact of her helping a, a child be able to communicate doesn't mean that they're going to make fun of, but maybe they can communicate that they need something. Mm-hmm. Maybe like, they can't say that, hey, I'm hungry, or, hey, I'm thirsty, or, hey, I have a, I have a pain yeah. on my
0: arm. The and things that, that we take for granted that we don't even really realize, you know, like you said, that right? your, your situation is not as bad as other people's situation. And having her making those impact, you, you know, you can see – see it from your lens on what she's doing, right. you know, make an impact on how you're living your life. Right. And,
1: that, and I mean, that's just a standpoint from her doing her work. And out, like I said, outside of her work, you know, she's opened up my eyes and heart to a lot of people with disabilities and different types of disabilities. And I know that now that's something I personally spend my time volunteering for and advocating for is, is kids with disabilities now. So I wouldn't be able to do that without uh motivation and inspiration from her. I yeah, I don't know if I've ever told her that or not. So this might be the first time yeah. she ever hears. Maybe it, she should go
0: maybe out this episode <laughs> be like a little appreciation here. Yeah. But you know, just tell her how it is and you know, if you haven't told her that, I think she might yeah. need to hear it and I think that'd be really cool.
1: Yeah, but I, yeah, I think you know, people I have had motivators all my entire life, right? Yeah. You know, famous people, friends, family do really cool things. So everyone has one that
0: sticks out you know it's just mine just happens to be my life mm. awesome well thank you ryan for being on the podcast and you know sharing your experience and you know your insights on a lot of topics um you know hopefully maybe in, in the future have you back on again but you know i um you know people can look forward to going to the siouxland coffee festival in sioux city on november 2nd november
1: or? 2nd sioux city convention center tickets yeah. at siouxlandcoffee.com yeah.
0: and how else can people, you know, interact or reach you or find out more about the festival other than, you know, whether that's buying tickets or yeah. finding out more information about the festival or, you know, contacting you?
1: Yeah, get, uh, reach out to me. I mean, my personal handle is Ryan Does Online. That's usually that across the board. Um, otherwise, if you're looking for coffee festival stuff, at Siouxland Coffee, you'll find everything there. But... I'm a pretty approachable dude. So if you want to reach out to me, I'm probably going to respond and say, Hey, what's up? Mm-hmm. And I, I, uh, I always enjoy helping others. So, you know, I might not be able to spend an exuberant amount of time, you know, right now, because obviously I got the coffee festival stuff going on, but if you had any questions, i from the event organizing standpoint or starting a business, starting a nonprofit, any of that, shoot me a message. I'd be happy to uh, happy to give you any advice that I may have. All right, well, thank you,
0: and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Devin.